Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. I am your host, and joining me, as always, are my good friends and action colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And gentlemen, the weekend has finally arrived. Manchester City and Liverpool headline a full slate of Premier League matches. We'll dive right into that one to start, and then we'll get into the rest of the slate, talk about some Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, uh, League 1 give out our favorite underdog bets uh, for the weekend and then our best bets for the premier league. And then we'll get out of here. Like I said, the headliner for the weekend, the headliner for the season, Manchester city, their even money home favorites plus 100 hosting Liverpool plus 255. The draw here is plus 275. We're all over the place on this one uh, in our pre pod discussion. So I want to start with you, Anthony, since you are a believer in the reds. Yeah. I don't have much difference between these two teams right now. I've got Liverpool slightly, slightly worse. Uh, and then you factor in home field advantage, and that gets me to City plus 120 on the money line. They're about plus 105. So I've got Liverpool uh, minus 120 to get a point. You can find minus 115 out there. That is as low as I would go. I, would, I don't want to lay big juice here on Liverpool. But my numbers suggest that Liverpool is a little undervalued, and I'm pretty believing of that myself. The first time these two teams played, it was super interesting because – it was really a tale of two halves. The slower the game is, the more it favors City. They're able to strangle possession, slow it down, crawl up the field. Liverpool want this game to be back and forth, frenetic pace. You'll be able to tell pretty quickly when you're watching the game on Sunday who's kind of controlling it based on how frenetic back and forth it is. Remember the second half, Liverpool, I thought, were much the much better side, and they had two goals, and City scored late on a, on a beauty by De Bruyne. It was a great game, fair result in the end, I think. But overall, both sides are really healthy. We have not seen a ton of the Tiago, Fabinho, Henderson midfield. What we have seen of it has been incredibly impressive. And again, for the year, you know, I've got Liverpool since the beginning of the year, Liverpool's plus 1.53 XG per 90 difference, City plus 1.58. And then if you were to take out man advantages, Liverpool is a tiny bit ahead, according to uh, the live table uh, website. And my, you know, I, I just really don't see a huge difference here. And really the, the one big injury question mark is Ruben Diaz for city. And I think him being out hurts their individual defending ability, which gets tested more by city or Liverpool. So I, I'm taking Liverpool. If you can get the one fifteen or better. Yeah. I also wonder, um, I know you talked about home field advantage a little bit. Liverpool's traveling back from, from Portugal, from a champions league spot midweek city uh, played at home. I do think, these kind of matches, these one-off matches, it's, it's, it's almost like the Super Bowl. Like we can always look at predictive metrics over the long term, and you want to bet into those numbers as much as you can. But for these ones, it's you're sizing up something that's 
almost should be treated as as a complete different scenario than you know your your Wolves versus Newcastle game coming up um, because the, this match is just is is so important. It's so different. It's a it's going to be a spectacle, um, and I just think City's ability to slow the game down does give them a, a, a pretty big advantage here. Whereas Liverpool, like City can, can beat you, I think in more ways than Liverpool can. Um, and I think that's a fair thing to say. Whereas Liverpool, like they need like, this game to get off kilter for them to have an opportunity to win. Um, and I just don't think Pep and City are going to let that happen. I, I like City. I think uh, even money's fine at home. So that's where I'll be going. I think an under two is, is interesting. BJ, uh, what, what do you have? Yeah, so anything pre-match, I'm probably going to end up passing on. I know nobody really wants to sit out of the biggest match of the entire season. The problem is, is if you want to look at like understat and both Liverpool and Manchester City's numbers of when they they play from behind, well, it doesn't really matter because they've spent like very, virtually no time playing from behind all season. There are a couple of props that I think are kind of interesting. So basically my projection is pretty much right on with what it is. I have Man City at minus 107, so you could say, a little bit of value on the citizens, but without Ruben Diaz, I think that cancels out and brings us back, back down to plus 105 over under at around 2.8. So no real value for me. What's kind of interesting. I was looking at the pressing numbers from that previous meeting between Liverpool and city Liverpool's pass per defensive action was 10.4 and city was at 29 indicating their pressing was not effective at all. And what keeps coming to my mind when I was going through this match was the Liverpool Chelsea match, which was around Christmas time, I believe where, Liverpool went up 2-0 uh, pretty early on, and then Chelsea kind of stormed back and was able to start controlling possession, control the match, and ended up, win- ended up drawing 2-2. If Liverpool scores first, I think I'm probably going to hop in on City Live because I think from that point on, City is probably going to be able to control possession because Liverpool, I mean, both these teams are not used to not having possession. They're usually used to having the ball quite a bit. So it'll be very interesting to see the what happens and who becomes more dominant because like Anthony said, if it's slow, Man City is going to dominate possession. They're going to sit inside the final third. It doesn't mean they're going to create a ton of high-quality chances, but they're going to hold a large share of the possession. I mean, they're averaging around 70% possession for the season in the Premier League. There is one prop I do kind of like, and it's uh, Diego Jota, anytime goal scorer, plus 225. I think you could honestly make the argument right now that Mo Salah should go to the bench for this match because Jota, Luis Diaz, and Mane are in better form than him right now. And Jota has been a big time underperformer all season long. He's gotten some of that positive regression back as of late, but 14 goals off of 15 expected around a 0.7 XG per 90 scoring rate. Actually, that is actually second uh, on the report behind Salah. So obviously wait till lineups come out, but if he's starting and especially starting up top, I think that at plus 225, that definitely has some value. Another thing I'm kind of looking at, I'm definitely not going to play it, but I do have some value on it. It's both teams have scored no. At plus 135, these are the two best two best defenses in the Premier League. So both teams to score no, I think, is, is kind of interesting at that good of a price. But again, I'm not going to probably not going to end up playing it. So, but really going to be a very, very interesting match. And like Anthony said, the pace is going to tell you who's going to dominate and potentially win this game. One thing I'm concerned about with Liverpool, we've talked about the defensive regression. They did concede over one expected goal to Benfica since January now. We are at 0.7 expected goals allowed per 90, which is still good. Clearly one of the best in the league from Liverpool, but they only conceded 0.2 goals per yeah. 90 in the Prem. I mean, it's just incredible. And that that is the one scary thing, that that indicator. But again, if this game is tied late, does it, it, it draw bad for either team? That kind of keeps them both around. I know Liverpool would probably take the draw tomorrow if you gave it to them, but they also kind of need to win. So it is interesting game theory-wise 
who's controlling the possession in the final 10 minutes, who's really pushing for the winner. I don't know who the answer to that is, but I think it probably is more likely to be Liverpool. The interesting part about that is, and I agree with you that I think just on the surface, they would say that, but if you look at both team schedules, Manchester city is actually not, it's actually pretty easy to end out. They got yeah, Everton, Everton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Aston Villa, Southampton, Wolves. That's Liverpool's. And then city uh, has Wolves, Brighton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, Aston Villa. So it's, yeah. it's definitely much easier for city. So I, I agree with you that city, probably would take the draw in this one and just try to see it out. Whereas Liverpool, I mean, they could potentially uh, give it all, but I mean, not getting a draw, then you're basically done. So uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's, it's that's just not really, really in, in, in Liverpool's DNA either. I would say too, right? right? Like no, I mean, Liverpool is going to go for it either way. Yeah. So that's why I think that as we get towards the later stages of this match, if it is still in the balance, I really think the advantage goes to city because for that reason, right? Like it's, City can afford to be much more pragmatic about their approach, and whereas Liverpool just doesn't know how to do that. Uh, so that was a point I wanted to make. Another point too is um, I should say that so City's minus two twenty five right now to win the title. Liverpool plus one sixty five. City at seventy three points. Liverpool at seventy two points. Uh, I would say that a loss here for Liverpool feels like a pretty big deal, whereas a loss for City, I don't think it's it's over, right? Because we're we we're in the middle of I think what will be Liverpool's best stretch of the season. They're firing on all cylinders. Like Anthony says, they're overperforming pretty big on defense where city, they had that little wobble where they didn't play well against Everton. We're lucky to, to get the one nil win. they drew against crystal palace. They lost against Tottenham. For me, it feels like that was probably it for city. Like that was, that was their stumble. So I don't hate if Liverpool do win this match, than buying a city uh, to win the title future either, but uh, we'll see. I mean, this is be a, it's going to be a great game. Sun, this will be Sunday, eleven uh, thirty a.m. kickoff uh, on the East Coast here in the United States. So, one quick thing, Mike, uh, for those out there who may want to pay attention to this match pretty closely because these two teams meet in the FA Cup semifinal in I believe about uh, a, week. a week or so. Yeah, yeah. and, and the next weekend we'll be we'll be doing this exact conversation. Yeah, we'll do the exact conversation. So, and then there's the what. Uh, then there's like a one in three chance that we do it again. Yep. It's kind of like this. It's, it's, like it's kind of like City Chelsea last year. Yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting the, how this. He's going to bet the under all three games like we did last year. <laughs> Atletico is going to oust City, so we don't have to have that problem. I don't know about that. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that for Sunday. One, one more thing. The last thing I kind of think from a live betting angle, I think my favorite live betting angle. There, there's no reason this doesn't play out similarly to the first meeting for me, where it is a little slow in the beginning and both teams are feeling each other out. You get this a lot in a big game and then you may look to get, you know, if there's like a live one and a half just before halftime, maybe, and it's still nil nil, or we get to half at nil nil. I think that's when you have to start to look because like we said, Liverpool is going to op- try to open this game up as much as possible. And as much as I respect city's ability to not allow teams to do that, they've conceded two shots in their last 180 minutes. I do think Liverpool has the the firepower to break anybody open, especially with Thiago pulling the strings. And he he's a big piece that did not play in the first meeting. All right, uh, let's park it there on City and Liverpool and move on to Friday. Some Friday night lights. Newcastle are hosting Wolverhampton. The Magpies, they're plus 130 at home. Wolves coming back, plus 250. The draw here, plus 215. The last three matches for uh, for Newcastle, excuse me, have been ugly. Uh, 0-0 and three win draw loss with only 1.55 expected goals created across all three of those. 
I don't think there. This is similar to the Wolves Aston Villa match for, uh, from <laughs> that we talked about. We all liked Wolves in that one. I don't really understand this line. I, I think Wolves is being underrated here. We I, They're a flawed team, yes, but is there really that much of a difference between Wolverhampton and Newcastle? Who's the better team? I would say Wolves. Um, so plus 250 on Bruno Lage's men seems like a little bit of a gift, a second straight gift on our boys from the black country. Uh, BJ, you coming with me? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because we talk all the time about how, I mean, Anthony's been complaining, I think, for like two months now about the Wolves defense and the market just overreacts to it. I, I don't really understand this line either. I mean, the thing about, like you mentioned with Newcastle, only 2.3 uh, expected goals created in their last four matches culminated in a 5-1 thrashing by Tottenham this past week. And I think, honestly, they just hit a wall. They're safe from relegation. They don't have to worry about that too much. So I think motivation level is kind of a question mark with the Magpies. Uh, I mean, they obviously have not been good since they lost Karen Trippier. They're still without Colin Wilson. And honestly, they've, been overperforming since the January transfer window. I mean, since January 15th, Newcastle's picked up 20 points in 11 matches, but their expected points is only 14.1. They're also bottom five in offensive pass per defensive action during that time frame. So even though Wolves is going to sit back, like I mentioned last week, they're very measured in their approach. They're playing a very compact mid-block. So you're going to get a lot of low-quality chances, but there's going to be a lot of them. So that's why you kind of see that type of overperformance. But last week, I mean, the offense kind of came alive. Uh, about two expected goals, three big scoring chances. Just the second time in their last 10 matches, they've actually created over one expected goal. You look at their injury report, I mean, Ruben Neves is really the only significant guy out. So I, I agree. I don't really understand this line. I actually have Wolves as just a slight favorite on the road at Newcastle. So uh, plus one and a half is at minus 145. I think that's, a, I mean, it's a little pricey, but I think it's a pretty good price for Wolves who are still motivated because they can still get inside the top seven. They're just right behind United and West Ham. So uh, I think this is a pretty decent price on an overperforming Wolves team. So yeah, give me Wolves plus half a goal at one, minus 145. Anthony, uh, anything here real quick on Wolves and Newcastle? I know you're not in love with it. And then we'll move on to Saturday. Yeah, I think this is just a classic example of like the number still matters, right? Like we all agree that Wolves are overrated, but they're pricing that into the market the last two weeks. I mean, home dogs to Aston Villa and now pretty significant road dog to Newcastle, two teams that I'm not particularly high on two teams. I'm looking to sell. Uh, And it's, it's pretty similar to last week. I agree with you guys in the sense that, yeah, I want to fade wolves, but I'm not just going to blind fade a team because they're due for regression. When you look at the number, it's just not there for me to do it. So I'm going to sit this one out. Uh, Wolves when games are tied this year, and this is where most of the luck has come from. They are minus expected goal difference, but they're actually plus 0.6 actual per 90 when, when tied in games. So what's happening is they're getting early, lucky early in games. It's actually kind of similar to what Tottenham was doing last year with Mourinho. They would score like their first goal on their first shot every, every game, and they would try to hold on. And unlike that Spurs team, this Wolves team has been lucky enough to not concede ever. But Newcastle, worst attack in the league when playing from behind. So they've only created about a half a goal per 90. So I'm not loving this Newcastle attack whatsoever. The defense is starting to look more like what we thought it should be and what, you know, they had a, what, a good month. Uh, let's not get carried away here with Newcastle. So I am passing and a good potential live spot, maybe, if, uh, if Wolves do go down, because I do think they can play the way back into this. All right, Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Everton, uh, they're plus 360. Hosting Manchester United minus 130. The draw is plus 280. Uh, the Toffees, 
found a way to uh, snatch de- defeat from the jaws of victory once again uh, against Burnley. And what was they? They they were clear. They were about to be se- uh, seven points clear of the Burnley and the relegation fight. Now the two of those teams, Burnley Everton, minus one ten, minus one ten to be relegated. I think that is fair considering the schedules coming up for both sides. It's simple, right? Everton's numbers look okay, or I shouldn't say that relative to where they are. Like they look like they should have some positive regression coming, but they have so many bad players in important positions that the mistakes just end up, end up in the back of the net at all times because they happen at the worst possible time. Um, That said, like this number on United is is unplayable at minus 130. Eric Ten Hag uh, coming over from Ajax uh, for next year. Who knows what that does to the, to the team. It's a, it seems like this Manchester United team has been uh, kind of weirdly affected by outside noise all season. And uh, not, not that you can really bake that into your numbers. They were pretty fortunate uh, as well to get a draw against Leicester in their last time out, but this is a short rest spot for Everton. There are a lot of signs pointing away from Everton. I think the market will move away from Everton. Uh, so this number actually might get high enough where you just got to plug your nose and play the toffees. And that's something BJ you, you've, you've been doing this season and, and it hasn't ruined you, I guess. No, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again on Saturday morning because this line's a tad too high on United, and especially with Everton. The biggest thing with Everton is, you mentioned it, they have underperformed uh, relative to what they're expecting. Well, they're a minus 19 actual expected goal differential, around a minus 10 expected goal differential. And that, I mean, we've talked about a lot. That's without Dominic Calvert-Lewin and, and Charleston, who have missed a combined 24 matches this season. But there's a chance that Yuri Mina makes a return, which is just unbelievably massive for Everton. Obviously, Michael Keane is going to come back from red card suspension. When those two are playing together, uh, Everton's only allowing 1.1 XG per 90 with either with uh, Mina out of the lineup around 1.63 XG per 90. So with him back in the lineup, that is a huge, huge boost to Everton. And I'm just not really sure what United has really done to be deserving of a minus 130 favorite at Goodison Park. I mean, Everton struggles against teams that press them. United's pressing numbers have been up a little bit under Ragnick, but they're still not anywhere near uh, the top five or where they should be. Um, Everton struggling to create big scoring chances. Well, Manchester United has allowed the ninth most in the Premier League. Manchester United has struggled on the road this season. They're my, they have around a minus four expected goal differential, while Everton actually has a positive expected goal differential at Goodison Park. So even though they're struggling, even though it didn't look good today, even though they won the expected goals battle, but they did get two penalties, I think this price is too high on United. So I'm going to play Everton plus half a goal at plus 110. Like you said, I might wait uh, to get a better number because if Keenan and Mina are back in there, Michael, they're drawing United at least. Okay, so so give me the Toffees plus half a goal at plus 110. And let's get some hope that they're going to stay up at the top flight. The uh, the funny thing about bet- the betting market and, and numbers reacting to previous performances is like with Everton, it seems like it's been rock bottom every game. Uh, the Palace game and the FA Cup go back to, you know, the game, <laughs> every game in Rafa Benitez's last couple of weeks, most of these Frank Lampard games, the Tottenham game, and they, they're still finding a way to find a new rock bottom. So like, I'm trying to find the right times to buy on this team and it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder and more depressing to do it. Um, but I do think that there, the difference here is like with Mina back, hopefully with uh, Alon back from suspension in the middle of the field, like their defensive structure should be much, much better. And they should have a better chance in the middle of the park against, uh, against these United players than they would if, if those two guys were going to be out. So 
yeah, there's there's like a sliver of hope here in this in this match, but it's it really does take some some moxie to to get down on this team uh, coming off of what we've seen from them the past month and a half, actually since October. Uh, Anthony, you're looking at uh, it being a little bit of a back and forth battle. Yeah, I, I do think Everton will be a little better here than what they've looked. Uh, BJ mentioned the home away splits. I, you can even queue it up to just the last three months since January. They still have a positive expected goal difference at home. So even if you factor out, okay, yeah, all these injuries have happened, uh, they're still positive, plus 0.1 XG per 90 difference. Uh, so not bad. Uh, and, and United away from home have been pretty pretty lackluster, like you said. So I do think we're, we're clearly overvalued on United here. I've only got the minus 120 but it's not enough for me to hop in on the toffees here, but I do think they can get on the board. So I'll be looking for a potential live both teams to score. You know, I really should just sleep in and stop playing these damn seven thirty matches because I never win them, but I do think Everton will uh, get on the board here. This United defense, I thought they were going to be improved. They looked like they were improved, but it has not come to fruition at all. All right. Uh, let's move on to 10 AM starts here. The Arsenal, the Gunners, minus 165 at home, hosting Brighton and Hove Albion, 5-1 to one on the money line. The draw is plus 290. Uh, it was a much better performance for Brighton than we've seen over the past few weeks, but that came against Norwich City, and they still drew nil-nil uh, and had a penalty that Neil Maupai shot into, basically shot to the roof of uh, Carroll Road. So you're getting a Brighton team that looks like maybe it's rounding back into form against a, a dead cat in, in the Canaries, but you're also looking to maybe fade a a team in Arsenal that looked pretty mediocre against Crystal Palace on Monday night football, lost 3-0 to Patrick Vieira's side. So I think that it's Brighton or nothing here at this price. Five to one is is pretty tempting on a team that that profiles well, even even in their struggles, like this is still a team that will make and should uh, be in the green in terms of betting them as underdogs against big clubs this season. So I'll be looking five to one on Brighton. BJ as our resident Arsenal tragic. Where are you going? Well, I'm trying not to freak out is what I'm trying not to do, Michael, because <laughs> performance on shut up, Anthony. The performance on Monday was I it wasn't bad. It just it was a couple mistakes that that led to a couple goals. And it was just one of those nights as a fan, you're like, wow, just you know, it wasn't our night. And then Karen Tierney gets hurt for the rest of the season. And now I'm panicking. Because Tomiyasu is not back yet. So that means we're going to have to go with Cedric Soares and Nuno Tavares again. Tavares is not ready for Premier League action. You saw it. He's the one who gave up the first goal at the back, on the back post. Just didn't go for the header. Just ducked. I don't know what he was doing. But gave that first goal and then didn't cover Gabriel in the second one. Um, so that's really concerning. As far as this match is concerned, I mean, Arsenal's overvalued. Uh, I'm just seeing if maybe Brighton plus one gets to minus 110 because – I do think we'll see a little bit of that positive regression for Brighton come back in this match. I'm just really hoping that Arsenal doesn't lay another dud. They've been much better at home than on the road, so that gives me a little more confidence. Uh, but, I mean, there might, there might not be no Thomas Party either, so it's going to be Shaka and Lukonga or Elneny in the midfield, which is obviously not great going against Basuma and company. So, uh, as a fan, I'm just – hoping and praying to God that we can get three points and move on. Um, but Brighton definitely has value here. Yeah. It's definitely not as straightforward as I think people uh, outside of betting circles will, will think. And even if you look at just the line, I think it's 
odds makers are making it seem like it might be a little more straightforward than it will be. Um, and Anthony, you're back on the Seagulls too. Yeah, this line's come down a little bit. You know, it was minus 180. Now we're down to about minus 165, 170. You can still find Brayton plus one at minus 120. I played that. Losing Tierney, BJ mentioned it, extremely underrated in how much of a loss that is because of the drop-off to Tavares. Not only that, but his chance creation. I mean, he gets up, up the pitch on the left a lot. He's very good at crossing. Tavares is a bit of a wild card. He's kind of all over the place when he gets the ball. Loves to dribble. Just loves to dribble to, to nowhere a lot to of nowhere. times. Yeah. And that really led to a couple of counters for Palace where he's yep. just losing the ball in the middle of the pitch. Uh, so a little bit of a question mark there. And Parde, I mean, they're not deep. Their, their weakest area in terms of depth is, is the midfield. And Parte being out, somebody we've kind of criticized, I think, in the past. But when he's on the pitch, he's quite good. It's when he's – in fact, he's never on the pitch. Well – the, it doesn't look like he's going to play now based on the preliminary report. He may be out up to a month is what the, the initial report was. We don't know. Uh, BJ uh, called top four race over said Derby won't matter. Well, we have a Derby date, May 11th. Uh, going to be a fun one. Yeah, but, Tottenham's already going to be in the top four. I told you it wasn't going to matter. Right. That is true. Maybe we'll have it wrapped up by then. Uh, but yeah, my projection, I make Arsenal minus 130. 538 has got him at minus 140. So all of the systems, BJ as well, minus 113. So we're all lower on the Gunners than the market here. And it's really our love for Brighton. But Brighton, last five matches, 1.2 goals per 90 expected, only scoring about 0.2. So I understand they can never finish. And maybe they are just cursed. Maybe their players just don't have finishing ability. And Malpay is Malpay. But either way, I think this is too expensive. Brighton was the better team in the first meeting as well. They dominated a large stretch of that. I'm expecting a fairly even game. I've got Arsenal by 0.7, so I'm going to take the one goal. All right, uh, let's move on to Southampton. They're plus 350 at home, taking on Chelsea, minus 120. The draw here is plus 265. This is a tough spot for the Blues, who are coming off a loss at home to Real Madrid in the Champions League, a loss to Kareem Benzema, I should say, in the Champions League when they played pretty well and were unlucky to lose. And now they got to go to Southampton for what is basically a meaningless Premier League game for both teams. Southampton's comfortably mid-table safe. uh, And Chelsea looks like a lock for that number three spot. I guess you can make an argument that they got to take care of business to get through top four, but they will. Um, And I think Southampton's matches have kind of reflected that they're kind of laissez-faire approach lately. Um, They've been wide open lately, 3.3 total XG on average in the last six matches both teams scoring all over the place. It's, it's been a little messy, but I do think that Chelsea and similarly to, I was saying with like man United, but this, this one having more to do with the spot is it's, um, they're unplayable at the, at this number on the road because Southampton is, is we know they're a dangerous side. They can, as, as meaningless as the game is like, you're going to get up for a Chelsea match. You're going to get up for a match against the top four. So I do think there's a sliver value on Southampton. We'll see where this number goes, but uh, no, no interest for me in, uh, in Chelsea at all here. Anthony, uh, anything for you in this one? Yeah, I agree. Nothing on Chelsea. Uh, God damn me for betting that team. That's, that's on me. Uh, I've been calling them a luck box all year and there's, they're finally regressing. And uh, today was embarrassing. I mean, nobody marking Karen Benzema, the third goal we don't have to talk about, but the first two goals, Zero marking Conte getting pushed way too far up the pitch. I understand they needed to kind of win this, but you know, what was, I've never seen Conte that positionally unaware. Uh, it was very bizarre to me. It took him off at half. It's one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Uh, so I was very upset. Uh, of course, and Chelsea tickets are probably dead to advance as well. 
But as we look at this match, yeah, Southampton were, were due for some regression too. Like they ran ridiculously hot. I mean, they had, I think, 23 goals in 11 games off of 15 expected and just out of control good. And now they've kind of come back down to earth as we all kind of thought they would. I project Chelsea at minus 115. I don't really have a lot of value in this. And I know you mentioned it's kind of meaningless. I mean, if they were to lose, I know their running is easier. They're a better team than Arsenal and Tottenham, but it's not done if they lose uh, because Arsenal and Spurs are both favored to win this weekend. And then all of a sudden the gap is two points. So I don't think they're safe, safe, but they're safe enough to overlook this game and get ready for Tuesday against Real Madrid. So uh, I lean toward the over and I would lean toward Saints, but overall the number is just not quite there for me. And this is Saints team is not one I'm really looking to back right now at the current number. Okay. Let's move to Watford and Leeds here. Uh, a couple weeks ago, this would be a relegation six pointer. Leeds looks pretty safe now because Everton are terrible. Uh, Watford though, they're minus 600 to go down. I think that's a little high because they still have a match against Burnley coming up. They still have a match uh, against Everton coming up. So they're not, I wouldn't say that they're out of it, especially with the way Roy, Roy Hodgson hasn't playing, um, getting results in games where they, they shouldn't be. Um, Watford's plus 175 here. Leeds is a slight, slight, slight road favorite, plus 165. The draw is plus 240. Uh, the Hornets are 2-2-6, two, two and six, win draw loss under Hodgson, his 10 games. Six goals for 17 goals against, but due for some positive regression in both areas, 9.6 expected goals for 13.8 expected goals against in, in those 10 matches. Meanwhile, uh, Leeds, since their managerial switch, two wins, one draw, two losses, six goals for, eight goals against, but their expected goal differential is five and a half goals better than their actual goal differential. I think that this one sets up pretty well for Leeds, uh, especially with with the way they're playing under Marsh. They're, they're healthy. They have game winners, the, the type of players like Rafinha uh, who can win, win a game in a, in a, in what should, what Watford will want to be a, a rock fight. So I don't think that Leeds is out of range here at all, even as a, as a road favorite. So that's where I'll be going. The Peacocks, Jesse Marsh and the Peacocks, Anthony, we'll go right back to you for Leeds and Watford. Yeah. You know, these are two teams I'm looking to bet on as we go down the stretch here. I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Watford is a team who you, you just kind of gave out the numbers for it, but Watford's a team who's played better than their numbers in the last month ish. Uh, and I've been impressed defensively, especially I thought the match against Liverpool last weekend was one of the better defensive game plans I've seen against Liverpool. The Reds were a little flat, but coming off the international break, but again, that game was one nil deep into the 88th, 89th minute. There was a penalty on a corner guy got tackled, but otherwise, I mean, they only conceded about 0.9 non-penalty expected goals to Liverpool and they had two one-on-ones with Allison and we didn't, of course they didn't score them for us, but they were very competitive in that game. And it kind of gets into an, uh, into the belief that I'm looking to buy this team, but I'm also trying to buy leads. And the number's pretty close to right for me. I do make leads a small favorite, minus 108 on the draw no bet line. So a tiny bit of value, maybe, but unless you can find like a minus 100 out there, I probably wouldn't play it. All right, uh, moving on again. Let's go to Aston Villa, plus 220, hosting Tottenham Hotspur, plus 125. The draw here is plus 250. Aston Villa. Over their last nine, draw, loss, loss, win, 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 loss, loss, loss. So streaky little bunch here. Um, once again, like Southampton, they're comfortably mid-table. Nothing to to really play for for this club except, you know, Steven Gerrard trying to continue to implement his system for his first full season, presumably next year. Um, I think the number is maybe a little bit inflated on Tottenham, but it's really, really hard to step in front of them right now with the way they're going. 
Antonio Conte looks like he's got his boys full steam ahead towards, like BJ said, the top four. Uh, anything for you on this one, BJ, Villa and Spurs? Uh, no, I, I will end up ultimately passing. I'm not stepping in front of Tottenham right now. This is a tricky spot for them, similar to how Arsenal going on the road to Aston Villa because the Villa defense has obviously improved uh, a lot under Steven Gerrard, and I could definitely see a situation where we come out of here with a 1-1 draw. I definitely don't think Spurs are going to continue beating people 3-1, 5-1. Um, and we'll see when we get to North London Derby, but it's ultimately a pass for me. I mean, Aston Villa maybe potentially take a look at the under. I definitely don't want to do that, but like I've been mentioning quite a bit, Aston Villa's actual goals and their matches are quite higher than what expected around 2.7 actual per match, only around 2.2 expected total. So you could potentially see some regression there. Tottenham, based on their expected, they're not going to continue to score five goals. Sorry, Anthony, but uh, potentially under, but other than that, this is past for me. Anthony, yeah. uh, anything for you here? I lean towards Spurs very slightly just based on my number. And I also lean toward the under based on my number. This is the first time I've shown value on a Spurs under. I don't even, I, I'd have to go look. I don't even know. It's been a long time. Uh, I think this team has been a truck and, you know, finally we're getting to the point now where, okay, maybe they've, they've fully positively regressed back. I mean, Kane still has a ways to go and it looks like he's really, you know, on the verge of a heater here. So that is a scary thought with the way Kane and Son are able to finish because Tottenham over the last four years, when they've had these two together, it's almost hard to model them because of how generally good they are at finishing relative to XG every single year. Uh, and so it makes it very hard to say, okay, well, I project, you know, 1.3 goals here because you almost have to bump it. So, but then it's dangerous to, you know, get into that. And then you're, you're kind of tweaking things. So uh, I don't really like to get into that, but I do make Spurs plus 105 here. So I'm, I'm a tiny bit under the market still on them. But uh, overall, uh, I don't really want to play this because I do think Villa's one of the most direct counterattacking teams in the league. And I think if you are effective at that, that is still very much a way to attack this Tottenham team because one, they're so good in transition that they do tend to have the fullbacks get caught a little far up the pitch. And then you can get the center back, wide center backs isolated. And then there's problems. They still have set piece defensive issues. So Villa, a little interesting to me, but again, uh, the numbers, I show value on Spurs. So I'm staying away here for now. All right, Sunday morning now, a 9 a.m. kickoff between Leicester City at the King Power. They're plus 135 hosting Crystal Palace, plus 215. The draw here is plus 240. Leicester City, as I said earlier, they were a little bit better against Manchester United and a little unlucky not to get three points. But in the three games before that, they allowed six total expected goals against and on the season, they are 17th in non-penalty expected goals allowed, 14th in big chances allowed, and 18th in shots per 90. This is just not a good defensive side, a team that needs to outscore its defensive issues. This is going to be a tough proposition against uh, Crystal Palace, who are top six in non-penalty expected goals allowed per 90, shots per 90, and big chances allowed. We saw what Crystal Palace is capable of over on Monday night uh, against uh, Arsenal. So I think this one is pretty easy where to know where we're going here the eagles at plus 215 against uh, a lesser side that is being a little overpriced coming off of a 1-1 draw against manchester united bj back on palace yeah definitely i mean if you want to say there's a couple of concerning things for palace is that yeah their away form has been pretty bad all season long but and lesser did get johnny evans back uh, along with sionko but with that being said like you mentioned 
1.7 expected goals allowed per match, 6.9 expected allowed in their last four for Crystal Palace. And big thing for Crystal Palace in this one is in their 4-3-3 system, a lot of what the creating they do is down the flanks uh, with, you know, Zaha and uh, Jordan Ayew out on, the, out on the, the side swinging in crosses or, you know, entering the box from out there. Palace completes the second most crosses per 90 minutes and then Leicester allows the seventh most. And like you already mentioned, Leicester allowing the fifth most big scoring chances. So uh, not really that great of a matchup for Leicester's defense. And when these two met back in October, Leicester blew a two-goal lead at Selhurst Park and was pretty thoroughly dominated by Crystal Palace. 30 shot creating actions to just nine for Leicester. Uh, Crystal Palace outtouched them in the penalty area, 37 to 15. Palace had a pass per defensive action of 6.8. And that pressing thing is very important in this one because Palace, they're not – the most successful pressing team, but they press at the second highest rate in the premier league. While Leicester has just been average at playing through pressure all season long. And I mean, we talked about the palace defense at nauseum, but uh, top five in every single defensive metric. And they've been still especially good as of late 0.98 XG allowed per match in their last eight matches. And Leicester has been out overforming a tad bit slightly offensively, six goals off of 4.5 expected in their last five. So I mean, I have this match projected pretty much right out of Pickham. So Crystal Palace on the draw no bet line is plus 130. I think there's some decent value on the Eagles there. So I'm going back to Patrick Vieira's men uh, again uh, on draw no bet at plus 130. Yeah, Palace is among the teams that has treated us pretty well all season. So, Anthony, there's no reason not to give them another shot here, right? No reason not to. Yeah, plus 135 on the draw no bet. I like money line. I like plus a quarter, whatever the hell you want to bet. Uh, I show a lot of value on Palace. I got them barely an underdog and they're, you know, plus 135. Uh, so I only have them plus 104. So it's not actually my biggest edge of the weekend. Uh, Palace are the better team for me. Uh, and we talk about spots. Okay. Arsenal, they had this big win against Arsenal. Well, Leicester has a conference league match, two legs coming up. So they're right in the middle of it. And if we're being honest, I mean, the, the conference league is their only chance at Europe. So why not go try to win it? I mean, they have a real shot to win it. You look at the teams in it and nobody, none of them are like, oh man, Leicester can't beat them. So I think they're going to be more focused on the conference league here. One eye on that. And Palace, again, their waveform is concerning, but I can't pass this up, especially with the set piece edge. I think Palace will have crossing edge. And Leicester, remember when we thought Leicester's offense was going to be a problem? I mean, that was early in the season. And we were wrong on that one. I mean, obviously it didn't hold, but the the defense is just major concerning. Yeah, if you, if you can find a prop, I don't know if this is going to be out there and if anybody who works at Sportsbook is listening and can get this prop up for us. Either team to score a corner would be a great prop to bet. I think both these teams have combined to allow, what, 27 goals off of corners? So, uh, yeah, set-piece issues for both. Obviously, Leicester's XG off, off of corners is much higher than Crystal Palace, and Crystal Palace do for some positive regression, but still a lot of issues on set-piece. So uh, even if Leicester goes up, this game is definitely not at hand, and every corner could be live to score. Crystal Palace in good form. Brentford also in good form. They're plus 180 at home hosting West Ham in a London derby. The Hammers plus 165 lukewarm road favorites the draw is plus 225 we're recording this before west ham plays leon in their europa league battle i think it's similar to the game we just talked about um brentford is an undervalued underdog and they're at home they're 3-0-1 uh in their last four win draw loss 
and they've created at least 1.72 expected goals for in all four of those matches. And they've won the expected goals battle by at least one goal in three of the four. And they're coming off a match where they dominated Chelsea. They put up a huge crooked number against uh, the champions of Europe. They've looked a really strong outfit going forward since uh, Christian Eriksen came into the side and Ivan Tony's been healthy. Those two look like a match made in heaven. And this is a tough schedule spot for West Ham. Lyon on Thursday, then Brentford, then Lyon again. Wonder where their focus will be, especially uh, coming off of how this uh, match against Lyon will go. So I think Brentford plus 180. I, I don't think this number is going to hang around that longer, that much longer, but I don't hate playing Brentford even as a, a slight underdog, like plus 160 or better here at home. So give me the B's back on the B's. BJ back on the B's. Yes. Yeah. You I mean you hit the nail on the head is that Brentford, the reason they've gone on this run is they were due obviously for some positive regression, but they're finally healthy. And the addition of Christian Eriksen has just been huge for them. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but they play so much better at the Brentford Community Stadium than they do on the road. In their last four home matches where they're at full strength, I'm not counting the match against Newcastle where they got a red card in the 12th minute. They have a plus 8.5 expected goal differential per 90 minutes and have created 6.8 expected goals in those four matches. That's really encouraging and really good numbers. And the thing about this match is where Brentford tends to struggle is when they play against teams that can press them effectively, they tend to falter to that. Well, West Ham is definitely not that team. They're 16th in both passes for defensive action and pressure success rate. And West Ham, honestly, has just been in really weird form over the last two months. Since the beginning of February, they have a minus 1.8 expected goal differential in the Premier League. They're only averaging 0.94 XG per match over that time frame when before February, they were averaging around 1.6 expected goals per match. Uh, they've also lost four straight on the road in the Premier League, and they have around a minus five expected goal differential away from the London Stadium. So uh, this is a great spot for Brentford, especially with West Ham, like you said, playing any Europa League match against Leon on Thursday. So, I mean, Brentford draw no bet at plus 100. I have them projected as a, a slight favorite. So um, love the bees uh, on the draw no bet line at plus 100. Yeah, Anthony, I think it's going to be pretty hard to keep you off the bees as well. Damn right. Pretty mad I don't have the money line. We'll get to the underdog segment in a little bit, but pretty mad I didn't take the money line last week. That one was staring me in the face. Uh, I didn't have it, but the bees did cash. Uh, and I make them a minus 110 favorite. Brentford's minus two expected goal difference for the season. West Ham is plus two. You factor in home field, you would assume that Brentford would be a marginal favorite. They're really not. And the reason for that, I think, is the goal difference is significantly in opposite directions. West Ham is under overperforming by about nine goals, almost all in the attack. So they're up to about plus 11 goal difference. And then at the other end, the minus two for Brentford, all the way down to minus 11 because of some variance that's gone against them. And We've talked about that ad nauseum, but I think the biggest key here is Ericsson improving this attack. What happened with this team is they would get disconnected between Mbwemo and Tony, and they did have in injuries as well. Ericsson is the, the link, right? And that was what he was for Tottenham, and that's uh, what he does so well uh, is, is his ability to connect you know, the midfield to the attack. He's one of the best tens in the world, in my opinion. And so that's where I think this attack improves, and that's where I like to bet them. And I had this spot circled weeks ago. I was looking to fade West Ham, went down the schedule. I was like, oh, where's a good spot? Away at Brentford is the, the spot. Uh, and so I love the bees. All right. The last Premier League match we'll talk about before we get into the rest of Europe. Oh, man, Norwich City plus 185 playing for Burnley, coming off the rousing victory over Everton at Turf Moor plus 170 on the road 
The draw is plus 215. Burnley are dreadful. Like they're not, they haven't been good this season at all, um, which makes Everton blowing a 2-1 second half lead to them even more excruciating. Um, and I don't know what's another situation where I don't know how much there really is between these two sides, especially that you know, North City, sure, they're a lock to go down. It's not done yet, though. If they are going to have a great escape, like the motivations here, it starts with a game against one of the teams you're chasing. So I don't think that this is just going to be a typical, um, you know, play out the string match from the Canaries, who are 0-2-6 win draw loss in their last eight with only five goals for it, 18 goals against, and a minus 16 expected goal differential. However, before that that Everton match, Burnley hadn't scored in over 400 minutes, and they were 0-0-4 win draw loss um, with eight goals against. Uh, so this is probably going to be a situation where Burnley is going to be uh, overvalued uh, on the road against Norwich City. And I don't hate it, but I don't think that this plus 185 is is the bottom of the market for North City coming off of the impressive win for Burnley. I think we will see a little bit of an overreaction and, and Norwich could get a little bit closer to 200 um, at home, which would be wonderful. Um, so I'm looking towards the Canaries. I'm praying they win for my Toffees as well. And um, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be an interesting one. I think actually a sneaky, sneaky, interesting game right before uh Manchester City and Liverpool play at the opposite end of the table. Uh, BJ, Burnley, Norwich City, what I'm, do you think? I hate to do this to you, but I ha- I'm going to have to disagree. I think the price is actually pretty cheap on Burnley on the road. I mean, Norwich, they're going to get relegated. It's just a matter of time right now before it comes official. So I'm really not sure where their motivation level is at because, I mean, either way, I mean, we've talked about Nazi and we don't need to go into too much detail, but they're by far and away the worst team in the Premier League, minus 1.1. Expect a goal differential per 90 minutes. Burnley only sitting at minus 0.6 per 90. Uh, from a matchup perspective, I mean, this is as good as it gets for Burnley. I mean, Norwich, worst offense in the Premier League. Uh, they're horrible on set pieces. Last seven matches, they've only had one big scoring chance and conceded 13 of them. Uh, Burnley basically lives on big scoring chances. Norwich allowed the most shots inside the six-yard box. That is exactly what Burnley's offense is designed to do. Um, I have Burnley projected as a plus 139 favorite on the road. So uh, draw no bet at, at minus 115, I think does have some value, unfortunately. Uh, but it's becoming hard to find spots to fade Norwich uh, because they're obviously the teams are so overpriced against them because they're pretty much already relegated. And I think this is a spot where uh, the market hasn't really reacted to the Burnley win because before the match, I mean, Burnley hasn't moved at all since the win against Everton, which is kind of shocking to me. Um, so I'm on the, uh, I'm on Sean Deitch's men uh, in this match. All right, Anthony, real quick before we move on to the rest of Europe, anything for Burnley and Norwich? Yeah, I think it totals a little low. Both teams to score minus 115. Similar to today, I ended up playing it. The number just got so low on that total. And I don't know if they're pricing in that these teams are just going to come out and be conservative because it's a relegation six pointer, but I mean, I do think Norwich can get on the board here. Burnley's defense, like you mentioned, not great. And so I would lean that way, but I find it hard pressed. I'm going to end up betting this game. All right, uh, let's move on to the Bundesliga then. Uh, we'll give out our favorite bets here. We'll give out our favorite bet in La Liga, Serie A League. We'll give out an underdog and then our best bet in the Premier League for the week and then move on. Bundesliga, BJ, your favorite bet. Yeah, the Berlin Derby, uh, Hertha versus Union. Uh, I love Union Berlin. Draw no bet at minus 115. I mean, this Hertha Berlin team is really, really bad, and they are in grave danger of getting relegated. Around a minus 21, expect goal differential in 28 matches is really, really bad. Just five points in their last 11 matches. Uh, this Union Berlin team is just really, 
a really solid team in the middle of the table. They don't generate a lot of shots. You know, they're 14th in shots per 90, but what they do do well is they get, get a ton of crosses in the penalty area, actually the most per 90 minutes in the Bundesliga, and they create a ton of big scoring catches. That's two areas that Hertha Berlin has been really, really bad at this season. You could potentially, uh, I think this line is kind of factoring in motivation and desperation for Hertha Berlin. Uh, I mean, Union Berlin's pretty comfortably in the middle of the table with no real, I mean, they have somewhat of a shot at Europe, but not really. Um, but don't you think that they would uh, relish at the chance to, to send their rival down to the second division? So I think motivation is going to be here really high here in a Derby. Uh, I mean, I have Union Berlin projected as a minus 102 favorite on the road. So draw no bet at minus 115 for me uh, for Union Berlin. All right, I'll go next. I like our boys from Mines. Mines are plus 195, taking on Clone. Uh, 9.30 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Mines under Bo Svensson. We've talked about him a lot. We love him here. They're first in big scoring chances allowed, third in non-penalty expected goals allowed, fourth in shots per 90. Clone's defense is middle of the pack, while Mines' offense is also pretty impressive. Sixth in big chances for, seventh in non-penalty expected goals for, and third in shots per 90. This is a complete team. And that's why we like betting on them. Plus 195, I think, is a, is a good price even on the road. So give me mines. Back on mines. Anthony, what about you? Hey, BJ, just a quick note about Union and Hertha. I mean, Union's first time ever in the Bundesliga, yeah. they have a chance to relegate their big rival who has been a mainstay in the top flight. So it's a pretty right. interesting narrative game. And I'm actually going to be very excited to watch that one. I'm going with mines too. Draw no bet plus 110. It's a classic buy low, sell high. I'm selling this Cone team, which did lose last weekend, but overall has not been particularly impressive. They're one of the bigger overperformers in all of uh, in Germany. And a lot of it has come to Anthony Modest, who's been excellent, but he's been in and out of the lineup lately and he's kind of regressed. And this attack just doesn't have a ton to like without him. Whereas Michael has already given his ode to mines. Well, they had another unfortunate loss today in which they were the better side against Osberg on the road. They dealt with a COVID issue kind of hurt them a little bit. They fell down the table. They had an unlucky loss to Dortmund. They had an unlucky loss to Osberg. But this this Mines team played really well at the weekend at Gladbach and I think is undervalued. I make them a favorite. So I'm taking them plus 110 on the draw no bet line. Lovely stuff. Let's move on to La Liga. Another team we love on the show, Athletic Club Bilbao. They're plus 225 playing another team we love on the show, Via Real. Uh, 12.30 p.m. We kickoff. all live for the yellow submarine. <laughs> we, the yellow submarine. What a performance. That, that was, was amazing today. That was amazing. Should have won like 5 nothing, but what a performance. It, yeah, it was a terrific performance. And one that Spoken like a true to, over better. If you, listen to, <laughs> if you listen to our podcast from uh, on Sunday. Uh, Just raved you, about them. You would have been on the right side of, but. I hope, I hope you ignored our Chelsea conversation. Yeah, exactly. Immediately thereafter. Just yeah. cut, cut the pod right after the. Be real talk, and we are geniuses. We got, you know, we got Benzema. Okay, it happens. To we we did. I, I even so. joked about not being worried about getting Benzema, but we got way more yeah. than Benzema. That I think was, I yeah. and I, I think I noted that you just tip your cap to Benzema yeah. when he Benzema's right. you. So it was like we you know, we called it as as well as we could. Um, meanwhile, I'm fading Villarreal this weekend. Uh, Bill Bow's plus two twenty five. I think that is way too high. Last four matches for Athletic Club, they are back to their defensive form. 0.6 expected goals on average per match, 2.24 expected goals for per match. They've been really, really good. And this is just a terrible spot for Villarreal. Uh, after beating Bayern Munich at home, coming back to La Liga to play Athletic Bil uh, Club Bilbao, and then having to go back to or go to Germany for the second leg. So I'm going to play the spot here. I'm going to play a great team. 
in a great spot. Bill Bow plus 225 against Villarreal. BJ, your favorite La Liga bet? Yeah, so last week in France, I, I think I'm going to start, I'm going to have to copyright this or trademark it or whatever. The the pick that you just set the notifications for and just hope to God you don't get one until the final whistle because I'm going Osasuna, Alaves on Sunday morning. Both teams to score, no, at minus 130. Uh, these are two of the worst offenses in La Liga, both bottom five and non-penalty expected goals. But the Osasuna defense has been very good when they don't have to play good competition. In 23 matches against the non-top four, Osasuna is only allowing around 1.05 expected goals per match. Well, now enters one of the worst offenses in the, in La Liga because Alaves has only created over one expected goal four times in their last 16 matches. When these two teams met earlier in the season, uh, Osuna won two nothing, only 1.5 total expected goals were created, only 39 total touches in the penalty area, only 19 box entries. In Osuna matches this year, both teams' scores only hit in 14 of 30. But more importantly, both teams have only created at least one expected goal in 11 of their 30 matches. So uh, I have the both teams to score no line projected minus 166. So the current line of minus 130, I think has some value. So set your notifications and let's hope to God we don't get one until the final whistle. All right, Anthony, uh, what do you have for us in La Liga? Yeah. You know, anytime you got a chance to bet on a team who's lost five in a row and bet against a team who's won five in a row, you have to do it. Not actually, but uh, I do make my Orca a, Slightly undervalued side this weekend. Atletico also in the sandwich spot, safely in the top four. Attack has regressed positively considerably now, but they're they've scored fifty six goals or fifty seven goals rather, uh, and and overperformed well over their expected goals by almost ten. Uh, and so I think Mallorca, who plays much better on the island, difficult travel spot for Atleti. I'm taking them plus a half to get a result. Hopefully it goes better than Osasuna, who all of a sudden forgot how to play defense last weekend. All right, let's move on. Syria, ah, BJ. Napoli, Fiorentina under two and a half goals at even money. Two of the best defenses in Italy squaring off. Should be a low event type match. Napoli, uh, I believe still best defense in Europe, allowing only 0.74 non-penalty expected goals per match, while Fiorentina only around 1.07. Napoli number one in expected goals allowed, big scoring chance allowed, and second in crosses allowed in their 18-yard box, which is key against Fiorentina, who completes the third most crosses in Serie A. Fiorentina, on the other hand, actually the number one team in Serie A in shots allowed per 90 and box entries allowed. So going to be very difficult for both teams to actually create some chances. Also, the pace of this match is going to be incredibly slow. Napoli leads Serie A in terms of 10-plus pass sequences and build-up attacks. Fiorentina also top five offensively in both those categories. And then both defenses are also first and second in terms of pressure success rates. So it's going to be really difficult for both these offenses to actually create something of value. So I only have, I actually have 1.97 goals projected. So under two and a half goals at even money, I think has some value. Anthony, anything for you in Italy? Yeah, I'm taking Torino plus a half at minus 120 or better. I can't get there on the number on Milan. And Milan had a very poor performance against Bologna. They failed to score at home. And again, I think it's the title pressure. And look, they were due for regression too. So I'm not going to pretend that that doesn't also exist. But Milan are now the title favorites. They are clinging to a lead here. And every one of these games, they're going to be a little overpriced because of this must-win type narrative that you're going to see. And I can't get there on the number. I've only got Milan at 45% to win. Uh, They're priced at about 50-51. And so I show value on Torino. I've got Torino uh, with a a pretty good chance at 55%. So I'm going to take the minus 120 or better. 
and ride on the best defense in the league besides Napoli, uh, who has been excellent. They play a lot of grinded out kind of games. When these two teams played earlier this year, it was a very even game. Ended 1-0 to Milan, but very even game. I think Torino gets a point. All right, let's uh, venture over to France here. BJ, anything for you in legal? Yeah, Strasbourg, draw no bets, minus 115 at home against Leon. I don't think people realize, but Strasbourg is actually really close to getting inside the top three and potentially in the Champions League. They're only two points behind Rennes. And guess what? They deserve it because they are fourth in France in expected goal differential, and they're one of the best home teams in league in league on. I mean, Strasbourg plus 8.2 XG differential per 90, averaging around 1.7 expected goals per match at home. The main reason they've been so good offensively is because they're third in big scoring chances, 44 in the season. And a lot of those big scoring chances come from the flanks in their 3-5-2 system uh, with their wingbacks getting up the pitch to supply crosses into the box there. Uh, second in terms of crosses completed into the box, the Leon defense, they Leon's been playing better as of late, but still overall for the season, 17th in big scoring chance allowed 13th in crosses allowed in their 18 yard box. So I don't think Strasbourg's going to have a lot of trouble uh, creating high quality chances. And it's uh, a sandwich spot for Leon. They have to travel to London and take on West Ham in the Europa league and then back to France for a very, very critical match in league on because Leon is sitting in ninth and they need points desperately, but their form away from home has been pretty bad all season long. Minus four expected goal differential. Strasbourg also a top five defense in terms of expected goals allowed, shots allowed per 90, and box entries allowed. So this is a really, really difficult spot for Leon. I have Strasbourg projected as a plus 118 favorite, so I love them on the draw no bet line at minus 115. Okay, now it's time to move on to our favorite underdogs. We came really close last week. Uh, Bologna. So, so close. Nil-nil draw for Bologna. Uh, ended up derailing the three-leg money. They should have scored in the first. They didn't deserve to win the match, but they should have gone up 1-0. They had like three or four really good chances early. Came up yeah, short. Would- and then the second half, Palace took the big lead. And I was like, okay, we got Palace. Wolves, we had gotten in already. Like 93-1. to one. Uh, And <laughs> All we needed is one, people. All right. Didn't all we need is We've one. had a, I mean, the closest one we had was Venezia blowing that two-goal lead, yeah. which they're yeah, driver indebted. We, we had that one one. I think I'm up to this six, six two-goal leads blown. But you got you got a two-goal lead to hold last week, BJ. I know. <laughs> I they was getting nervous it, that it right? wasn't going to happen. You watch the end of that game. They didn't want to blow it. Yeah. This uh, this this week's parlay won't be as exciting. There's no eight-to-one underdog in there, although I'm sure I could find one if I looked hard enough. Uh, but let's start with you, BJ. Well, let's go back to the well. How about Wolves plus 235 on the road against Newcastle? We've already talked about it, but this line's a little crazy. Uh, I think Newcastle has kind of hit a wall uh, as of late. I mean, the it culminated in that 5-1 loss to Tottenham this past weekend. They're safe from relegations. I think motivation is kind of a question mark for them. Yes, Wolves has overperformed drastically this year, but last week they had a pretty good performance against a good Aston Villa defense, around two expected goals, four, and three big scoring chances. So there's no reason why they can't do it at St. James's Park on Friday afternoon. So let's hopefully we can kick it off uh, with a win on Friday afternoon. I'll be taking our boys from Bilbao from the Basque country. They're plus 225 against our other boys, Villarreal. Um, Villarreal this season, 45 points in La Liga. Athletic Club Bilbao, 44 points. According to Understat, Villarreal, 50.7 expected points. Athletic Club Bilbao, 50.6 expected points. So very, very little has separated these two teams all season. And I like the spot for Bilbao with Villarreal coming back from a emotional uh, victory over Bayern Munich in the Champions League. They'll be traveling to uh, Bavaria uh, in the midweek after this match. So I'll take Bilbao, a team that has allowed 
0.6 expected goals on average per match over their last four match at the same time, creating 2.24 on average. Great team. Great spot. Give me Bill Bow plus 225. Anthony, your favorite dog. At the rate of being repetitive, I'm just going to say it's Torino plus 295. Just talked about the match. Like them two minutes ago. Still like Torino plus 295. I also like Torino this weekend. Love it. All right, let's move on to our favorite bets uh, in the Premier League for the match week coming up at a very important match week for all of us, for the league in general, especially for Everton. But most importantly, I guess Man City and Liverpool. Anthony, let's start with you. Yeah, excited for City and Liverpool, but I'm taking Brighton plus one, minus 120 against Arsenal on Saturday. The Gunners are coming off of a brutal loss on the road at Crystal Palace, but they're pretty shorthanded. They're not going to have Tomiyasu and Kieran Tierney, their two best fullbacks, and they don't really have great depth behind them, and they're missing their center midfielder, Thomas Partey. They don't have much depth behind him, so their two weakest areas not having depth behind them, a bit of a concern, and Brighton continues to underperform their expected goals numbers. They've only scored 0.2 goals per 90 in the last month despite expected about 1.2. So you'd expect some positive regression for the Seagulls here. The Seagulls were the better team the last time these two teams met. I've only got Arsenal favored by about 0.7 goals. And so I'm going to take Brighton plus one. I think this ends in a draw more often than it's a route for Arsenal. So give me the Seagulls on the road. All right, I'll go next. My best bet in the Premier League this week is Everton. No, I'm just kidding. It's Crystal Palace. They're plus 215 against Leicester City. On Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, while Leicester looked uh, an improved side against Manchester United in the last time out, their three games before that, they allowed six total expected goals. And on the season, they ranked 17th in non-penalty expected goals allowed, 18th in shots per 90, and 14th in big chances allowed. Leicester is the type of team that needs to outscore its defensive flaws, and doing that against Crystal Palace is easier said than done. Palace's top six in non-penalty expected goals allowed, big chances allowed, and shots per 90. So I'll take... Patrick Vieira's always improving Crystal Palace side, plus 215, even on the road against Leicester City, a team that we find overrated. BJ, close it out. Brentford, drawn a bet, plus 100 at home against West Ham. Brentford's finally starting to see come to fruition that positive regression we've all been talking about for a long time. Three wins in their last four matches, plus 2.1 expected goal differential, 7.4 expected goals in those four matches. The key to that is the emergence of Christian Eriksen, who has been on fire since he started, got back into the lineup for the Bees. This is a situation where we have a good matchup in terms of home road splits. Uh, West, West, Ham, West Ham has struggled away from the London Stadium around a minus five expected goal differential. Brentford around a plus 3.5 expected goal differential at the Brentford Community Stadium. Brentford also tends to struggle against teams that can press them successfully. West Ham is not that team. They're 16th in pass for defensive action and pressure success rate. This is also a sandwich spot for West Ham. They have a Europa League match against Lyon on Thursday. So the rest advantage is going to be with Brentford. So give me the Bs. Draw no bet at home at plus 100. All right. And that wraps up another episode of Wonder Goal for BJ Cunningham, for Anthony DeBundo. We wish you the best of luck with your bets this weekend. And we will see you on Monday morning for more Champions League preview.